All right. Faithful Borderline Raptors Nation, we're back. And before, before I surprise you with uh, my two co-hosts today, uh, I am just going to give a bit of a, an update on the pod that we're back. We're uh, getting ready to launch, I think, uh, our fourth season, uh, just ahead of the, uh, the Raptors uh, season kicking off here in a few weeks. So listen, there's a lot of talk about whether or not we were going to do this uh, again. Uh, Kitch and I had a few conversations around over the summer, whether or not we were still going to be geared up to do this. Uh, from our f- few faithful listeners, lots of questions about when we were coming back. Um, my boys have been asking when they're coming back. Bobby apparently wants to blow this up all over uh, Western University. Uh, Johnny wants to blow it up all over St. Andrews College. So, I mean, that should easily triple our our listener base. Uh, but the point is, we are back. We're going to give this one more go. And I, when I say one more go, this is going to lead into um, my hellos to my co-host here shortly. I think we've, uh, we've changed the dynamic here a little bit, which is to the positive, uh, obviously. And I think we're going to give this thing one more shot to see if we can't just figure out a way to, to make sure everyone out there has had a chance to listen to our, to our wisdom to our insights, to our gambling, uh, and see if we can't uh, do this for one more season uh, and beyond. Hopefully, the, the idea is to keep doing this from beyond. So that's the plan. We're getting ready to go. So with no further ado, uh, I'm going to bring in Old Faithful. Everyone knows here. Uh, Kitch, you want to say hello to uh, Raptors Na- uh, Ra- Borderline Raptors Nation? Hello, baby. We're back. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Kitch, listen. Uh, like I said, you and I had a few conversations, so... Uh, <laughs> I think, but I think when we did this and we talked about it, I think it was, I think it's fair to say like, we, you know, sure. Is the pod, could it be a bit of a grind from time to time? It could be, but I think what, under the new circumstance, I think we both felt like, yeah, we kind of missed it a little bit. Didn't, didn't connect you and I as much, which is obviously clearly a sad state of affairs. So, uh, yeah, I think you feel the same way I do. Don't you? Yeah. Yeah. Good to catch up on a weekly basis. It is. It is good. To, good. To, good. To, uh, to figure out the wild world of sports on, on a, every seven days. Um, well, with that, and to my our second uh, co-host uh, today, which is not uh, the ghost of Deno, that still remains. He's still the ghost, uh, but we're hoping Deno will make the occasional appearance. But uh, big announcement for the pod, uh, as a regular contributor moving forward, we have one young uh, Aaron Rose joining the pod. Aaron, welcome as a, as a regular to the pod. Thank you for having me. I'm looking forward to this. Hopefully a better season well, hopefully not a better season than the Raptors season. Hopefully they have a great season, but this should be a fun season for us. Well, listen, I'll tell you what, that leads into my very first question. Uh, I think grabbing you uh, as a free agent out there um, was, was a bit, was a catch for us. So the, my first question to both of you, is it somewhat worrisome uh, to Raps Nation out there that this podcast had a better off season than the Raptors? I think I think you should introduce Aaron Rose, who Aaron Rose is, too. Bart. Well, like, people, listen, people like faithful follow. Uh, well, I'll, I'll let Aaron do that. But ser- Kitch, I'm serious. I, I think the pod is now officially we've had a better off season than the Raptors, and I think that's great for us, but worrisome. Yeah, yeah, it is troublesome. It is troublesome. Yeah, we, we'll, we'll touch on a lot of those points today for sure. Uh, so listen, Aaron Insider, Aaron the Insider, basically is a uh, full accredited uh, member of the Raptor or of the media, so he has full uh, access to the Raps. But Aaron, I'll let you give your a uh, little bit of your background. I think we've done this once before when you're on the pod, but for, to, as a refresher, why don't you give the uh, the listeners a little bit of uh, Aaron the, the resume? Yeah, I, I go to Raptors games. I cover the Raptors for SI.com. I've been churning out a bunch of content on TikTok and Instagram, just like you guys, uh, producing great Raptors content. And there are a lot of guys who've been doing covering the Raptors old school for a lot 
long time who are great at it, newspaper, online written content. And I figured I would take it to where the people are doing things on social <laughs> media. So looking to expand, always looking to have fun. And finally, I know that people have wanted me to be on a podcast. And here we are doing a Raptors here podcast for this season. Here, here it is. So there you go. Beauty. Beauty. There you go, Aaron, Ro- uh, Aaron Rose followers. He's ours. He's ours. Follow us. Uh, all right, listen, uh, Aaron, we're going to lean in with you. Media Day, you were there live in the flesh. Uh, so let's just start there. Give us your overall, uh, without going into too many details, we'll get into detail in a minute, but just like your, what was the vibe? How'd you, what was the sense in, in the room? Last season at Media Day, it was great vibe. Scotty Barnes, breakout season, sophomore, here we go. And this year was the opposite. This year was, <laughs> oh no, what's going to happen? questions about the future of this organization, what's going to happen with Scotty Barnes and Pascal Siakam and OG Ananobi, and does Masai Ujiri seem like the right guy right now? And they missed out on this, that, and the other thing. So a very different vibe. Now, we were wrong last year, and maybe we're wrong this year, but uh, certainly a different, a 180 in terms of uh, good vibes uh, this year at Media Day. Uh, Kitch, did you get a chance to watch any of the, uh, I watched most of the news conference. Uh, did you watch any of the, cl- of the highlights? I did not. No, I did okay, not. So then we'll, uh, we'll go right to me then. Um, yep. yeah, like I watched the large majority of it last night and just, you know, even watching, I'm sure it was different being in the room, but even watching online, it was, yeah, there was, it, it was a more of a depressing sort of vibe. Even when Darko came on, like I thought he did a pretty good job of trying to, you know, be enthusiastic and, you know, sort of get his vision out there. But God, he got hammered with a couple of lawsuit questions that, that seem to catch him off guard. So the lawsuit hangs over uh, that as a bit of a dark cloud. And then, like you said, there's a lot of unknowns that I think really sort of it made it feel like the room uh, was not, it wasn't like everyone was bounding around, jumping up and down and, and couldn't wait to get to practice uh, today. So uh, yeah, I, I definitely sense that as well. well maybe. And, and it's, maybe, it's one of those things. Maybe, go ahead. Go ahead, Aaron. It's one of those things where there's a little bit more. Masai Ujiri doesn't necessarily walk on water the way that he did for so long. And it was like, this guy could do no wrong. And now there's a little bit of combativeness with the media who is questioning, okay, why did this happen? Why did this happen? And I think that was the sense in the room when he spoke. And then uh, what's going to happen with Darko? The first question is about a, a lawsuit, as you mentioned. So not a great way to start the season. Well, and you know who doesn't like to be questioned? Masai? Yeah, yeah, he made that pretty obvious yesterday. Uh, but, I mean, he didn't, he didn't do himself any favors. But, then, you know, that's good because we're going to lead into – we're going to go through the whole media day with, with, the, key, with the key players um, so we can talk about this. And Masai was first on my list. So a couple so, of hey, talking hey, – I'm going to put a spin on the on – just following up, finishing off that. So last year we came in, like, media day was all high hopes, and we kind of shit the bed in the season. This year – Maybe it's the opposite. Maybe maybe I was getting no hopes, and we actually outperform. So take the positive side of that. Maybe we can outperform this year. No, listen, you know, are we going to start in this whole positive negative thing yeah, right off the yeah, bat? Yeah, yeah, for sure. That's it for the listeners. There's a lot of back and forth on our little chat last night about how positive, how negative. Uh, I, listen, I'm going to tell you right now. I'm very. Uh, I'm less concerned about being negative because I'm not. I don't want to define it as negative. I want to define it as I like Denos. I like Denos segment. We are going to ha- have a segment throughout the year. It's you can't handle the truth. We're, we're not being that we want to be realistic no one likes no one likes anybody blowing smoke up anyone's ass we just want to be realistic <laughs> if there's something positive to say i am more than confident will be positive but if the reality of the situation is that we've got problems 
then I think we're going to talk about their problems. And if that's a, that ends up being a negative spin for some of our sensitive uh, listeners or TikTok followers, well, I think we're going to have to deal with that. And I really do. But I'm, I'm, like I said, we'll be all right. We're going to be okay. We're going to be, trust me, we're going to be somewhere in the middle. Um, all right. So oh, media day. Trust me. Trust me. Trust I've heard me. that. <laughs> yeah. I heard trust media me lately. <laughs> Aaron, we're going to start with Masai. Uh, you, you've led into a little bit, but here, here's some of the talking points, right? Fred, let's, let's deal with the Fred trade uh, or lack thereof uh, last off season and his comments around it and his rationale. It sounded like he was willing to take responsibility. He said, if that was a failure, then we will take responsibility for it. You could probably take if out of that sentence. I think by all accounts, they wanted him back and they didn't get him back. That sounds like a failure to me. Uh, that was certainly not the plan. You don't want your players to walk in free agency. It sounds like they think they've done the best that they can to replace him. But when the season ended last year, Masai Ujiri said, we are going to make changes on all fronts. And they made changes on one front. And there haven't really been changes to this roster aside from letting Fred walk. And we know the Raptors wanted Fred. So I think that situation was probably not handled the way the organization would have liked. Masai took some responsibility for that. Uh, they did the best that they could of replacing Fred, but it, it's a big hole to fill for sure. Uh, Kitch, any thoughts on uh, the Fred debacle? We just keep doing, making the same mistake over and over again, and, and, and it comes down from the top down. The top down has to figure out a ways not to let these guys leave. Like, like Lowry left. No, hindsight, it's not horrible, but he left um, for next to nothing. You got Bosch left. You got like the, it just comes, it's a trend that seems to be happening here. We got to start to get some value for these guys that are, that are, uh, that are, that are walking when they leave. When they leave. And then we got to figure it out ahead of time. Well, but here's my issue with the comment. Again, it's just it's a defiant sort of uh, arrogant tone to his response around if we did something wrong, then I guess we'll take accountability for it, which implies you're not sure if something wrong happened or that it didn't go your way. Like it implies he's not sure, but he's like, hey, okay, I guess so. But here's the part that bothered me the most is that he's saying all the deals that were on the table weren't suitable for Fred. It's a place Fred didn't want to go, and therefore that might diminish Fred's free agent value uh and that wasn't going to be a good thing for fred and therefore we respect fred so we want to do the best thing for him well i'm going to take the other side of that if you send him to um another team that he doesn't want to go to and for whatever reason which i think is total bullshit it does not devalue him in free agency if he'd gone to any other team it would not have devalued him in free agency but let's say it did well in theory that's a good thing for your organization right like you, you're not trying to help other organizations get better right you're just not supposed to do that the idea that there was a trade on the table that they didn't want to take because Fred didn't like it. Like, I just, like, I get it. You want to be thought of as a, as a player's first organization. I completely understand that. But Aaron, do not, do not think that's just like, that seems like bad business to me. It's maybe, you know, I guess you, you do want to keep your players happy and Masai, but at the same time, as you mentioned, that sometimes you got to be the ruthless guy. And we've seen that from Masai in the past, right? He was ruthless when he went out and traded for Kawhi. And how did that end up? So I'm not saying that they should have, you know, done wrong by Fred, but just like we saw with the Trailblazers who didn't send Dame Lillard, who's, you know, a better player and has done more for the Trailblazers organization than, than Fred did. Uh, sometimes you got to do what's best for your organization. And I'm not entirely sure if that's what the Raptors did at the trade deadline. It certainly seems like they could have got something more than nothing. Right. A hundred percent. So that one's that again, that just didn't make any sense to me. Um, 
Another big talking point besides conference was this whole idea of playing the right way, that they were selfish last year. Uh, and I read from that the total undercurrent of um, – and then we, they talked Pascal and his contract and that sort of thing. But the whole – reading between the lines, it was like, hey, we are going to wait and see how this all works out, and then we're going to make a decision around our free agents. Now, I'm not so sure that puts us in a position of strength. I think it put, maybe puts us in a position of weakness as far as uh, leveraging those assets. But uh, again, we'll, we'll start with you, Aaron, because you're in the room. But like, did you was that did I miss that? Is that not what he was kind of getting at? That this was sort of like a wait and see for our guys, and hence why Pascal no contract extension, uh, that sort of thing. And if you if you do agree with that, like, what's your thoughts on that? He laid out the path forward, and it makes complete sense what they're trying to do. They want to wait and see if Pascal and these other guys fit with the new coach and with Scotty Barnes and into the future. That said, there's a huge risk to this. And we just saw the risk with Fred that maybe the offers at the trade deadline aren't respectful to the player, aren't what you're looking for for the organization, because that player, instead of being under contract for the rest of the year, is suddenly under contract for a couple months and just the playoffs and maybe fitting Pascal Siakam into a championship team in the middle of the season with two months to go in the season is a little bit more difficult. And we've seen in the past that Masai Ujiri doesn't love making big moves at the trade deadline. He's said that the trade deadline is not a good time of year to make big trades, big decisions, but he's putting himself in a position where that might be what he has to do. Now, best case scenario, everyone plays great. Everyone gels. You sign everyone to a long-term contract and it's not an issue. But sometimes you got to plan for the worst case scenario. And the worst case scenario is maybe you set yourself up in a position where you're looking at some of these guys next summer and you just don't know what's going to happen. Just like Fred Van Vliet wasn't a max player, but suddenly some team had a max cap space and was ready to make him an offer that the Raptors weren't willing to go to. You don't know what's well, going to happen at the trade deadline. You don't know what's going to happen in free agency. And that I think there has to be a fear that the Raptors could be making the same mistake again uh, with some of these guys. So 100% agree. Kitch, your thoughts on basically putting Pascal on notice? I, I Yeah, I think you got to alert him to the fact that, hey, you, you got to pick up your game. If, you're gonna, if, you're gonna, if we're going to pay you max dollars come next year, you're going to make yourself a max player. And, and what's proven is, I, and I still believe, Siakam's a good backup to a max guy, but he's not the max guy. So my fear is, with him, if we pay him max dollars at the end of the year, I don't think he's that guy. He hasn't proven to be the guy that can carry the whole franchise on his back and, and win games for us. So um, my my feeling is I'll give him a shot. Maybe he's worked hard in the offseason contract here. Maybe he's worked hard to try to improve his game. I don't know. So I'll give him the first few weeks of the season to see if he actually has improved his game. He actually comes out as a better as a better product. But if he doesn't, then I will be pushing very hard to get moving before the trade deadline because I think we Aaron's bang on there. I think we fall in the same boat where where we don't get anything at the end of the season for. But Aaron, on that note, like, wouldn't we be better off to sign him to that extension now? And then he's then he's a much more leverageable asset. Like I think that we go into the season with him being a free agent at the end of the season. So anyone that we trade doesn't necessarily have him for. They're sitting there going, "I may only have this guy for three months." Uh, like, I just don't, I, I think it's a really risky proposition to put your best player on notice without him being a, a true asset to you. And as far as a long-term con uh, contract concerned, had we re-signed him in the, in the off season and said, Hey, guess what? Now you better find a way to fit in or else we, we won't keep you around. Like, I'd be totally okay with that. But this to me is a much riskier deal where we could end up getting very little for him. 
And, and I think there's this idea that max contracts are only reserved for the top, you know, five to 10 players in the sure. league. And that just isn't the case. You look at like all the championship teams, all the top playoff teams, they have two guys who are making max yeah. contracts. So uh, the super max, maybe that's reserved for those top, top, top tier guys. But guys like Pascal, who aren't, you know, the 1A on a championship team, who might be a 2 on a championship team, those guys still get max contracts in the NBA these days. So I don't have this fear that it's necessarily going to be a bad contract. And I think Siakam is still tradable, uh, not at the trade deadline, because I don't think he'd be eligible to be traded, but next summer with four more years of control. We just saw Drew Holiday, who's 33, making 27% of the salary cap instead of 30. You know, not a huge difference, but these guys still have value. It's rare that you have a contract that's such an albatross that it can't be moved. Even Bradley Beal, who had a no trade clause and this crazy contract and yada, 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 you know, they got back some stuff for him. So I yeah. think he's more valuable signed to a long term deal. That's how I would approach it. I understand what the Raptors are doing. I don't agree with it. Uh, we'll have to see how it plays out. Well, turn and you don't want to, as long as you don't turn into a James Harden. That's the that's the that's the downside. The guy the guy is just un, untradeable at the end. Now you got a big contract for a guy for three or four years, but I don't foresee that forever for a Pascal. will be will well, yeah. be a fit for him somewhere on a team. Yeah, let's. I mean, as much as I have my issues with Pascal from time to time, uh, I'm not so sure he's in the Harden category. <laughs> no, no, there's nobody in that category. That's a, well, there that's is a few. Is, 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 is Denno? Is Denno in the Harden category? Not showing up to media day? What's yeah? Oh, what's yeah, going on with him? Kind of, the ghost. It's the ghost of Denno. I don't even know who Denno is anymore. It's the ghost of Denno. Harden or just hard life? I think it's hard life. Yeah, I mean, that, listen, trying to be positive. That was a cheap shot at Pascal. That's a low blow at Pascal right, the, right out of the gates. Um, all right, listen. Speaking of which, Pascal, next one on media day. Here's what I'm going to lead with. As downtrodden of a um, of a news conference or a question and answer period as I can remember with him, his hands firmly on his cheek the entire time, just sitting there in that pose. Uh, didn't want to answer any qu questions about his contract. Uh, seemed very leery of his new coach and this offense of no ISO ball and that movement. And then this whole idea of Masai keep reminding everyone, besides reminding everyone that the team was selfish last year, which I thought felt was directly, uh, uh, it's directly pointed at Pascal. Um, even though you look at his numbers, it would, you could argue he wasn't uh, remotely selfish, but he certainly said that. But Aaron, again, start with you. Am I wrong? Was that not a downtrodden sort of like, Ooh, this guy doesn't look very happy to be in Toronto at the moment. Siakam is a ton of fun when the team's having a ton of fun. But over the past, better part of the past year, uh, the the vibes around him have been a little off. And, and it's honestly, if he was having a great time and this team was, you know, 41 and 41, you probably wouldn't be so thrilled about that. So you want these guys to not feel great about the situation that this team is in. And I think you could see that uh, we're not body language experts here by any means, but it certainly felt like he was not as enthusiastic as he's been in the years past. He probably is aware that the president of the team sort of alluded to him being selfish. It doesn't take an expert to read between the lines there. Masai also said that the team looked at getting younger in the offseason. Well, what does that mean? That means that they looked at trading Pascal Siakam. So uh, I think Pascal Siakam probably feels he's ready to sign a contract. He's ready to be here long term, even though he didn't quite say that. That's what all the reporting suggests. But the Raptors, while they say they believe in him, I think your actions speak louder than words. And I think if you're Pascal Siakam, you can feel that right now. Kitch, 100%. 100%. He, like, they, they put some pressure on him. And we've always said he's a bit of a head case. He's got a he's a bit of a he's a bit of a lunatic, looney tune sometimes. So 
so they got the pressure on him now. And if he if he can rise to that pressure that's put on him and elevate his game and put some guys on his shoulders and carry him through, then he'll be happy Siakam again because people will be loving him. And 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 so he's he's going to create his own destiny here, I think. And and we're going to know probably in the course of thirty days whether well whether it's there or not. Listen, I and we're going to get this in the, in the predictions uh, segment coming up, but uh, he said he wanted to be part of an awesome situation. It is hard to believe that we are going to be able to create that environment for him in the next, I don't know, 12 to 24 months because we're, we're not awesome to me defines like winning all the time, uh, playoffs in contention. Uh, I I mean, I just don't know that that we're we're there yet. I, I don't know. There are breadcrumbs here with Pascal that I guess we can, we can follow throughout the season, but I feel like there's breadcrumbs here where we're this, this gives me the vibe. It's going to end ugly. Well, I think, I think if, if, if we, if we had somehow landed Lillard, that would have been an awesome situation for Siakam. Potentially. Like that, that would have been something that would have been, that would have, that would have put him over the, uh, give him a, give him that a player. He can be a strong B player. So I think a situation like that is great for Siakam. So I, I get why he's saying that. I think that's, that's his best, the best scenario for him. A way to, way to try and be positive. Um, okay. Uh, Aaron, but l- listen, last thing on Pascal, you had a bit of a back and forth with him. I mean, not back and forth. You asked a question that he kind of raised his eyes. Uh, like oh, I said that you questioned him around his sort of like desire or uh, statement where he's like, I want to be the guy on a top team. And he kind of pushed back on, on you when you asked that around, like, did I say that? I, I felt that was kind of an interesting sort of like, just again, speaks to his whole mindset of where he's, uh, where he's at. Yeah, my question was, this is a guy who in 2021 said to the New York Times, I want to be the guy, and I couldn't be the guy when Kyle Lowry was here. And, you know, I'm paraphrasing him, but he used the term the guy. And it doesn't seem like the Raptors are treating him like the guy, because the guy normally gets a max contract and normally isn't in trade rumors and is the centerpiece of, of the organization. And if you want to feel like that guy, I wanted you know, maybe my expectations were ridiculous, but I don't, I, I wanted him to come out and say, yeah, they're not treating me like the guy. He probably was never going to do that, but I wanted to hear uh, how he felt about how this organization has treated him, considering that he's wanted to be the guy. And from the outside, it doesn't seem like he's being treated like, like a player of his caliber. Well, I'll tell you what, give it 60 days. You might get some more, you might get some more insight into how he's really feeling. I think, I, I do think it's coming. I, I think he, if this, if we, if, the team gets off to a shaky start. The offense is is uh, different for him. You know, if he's not getting his touches, I just think, yeah, he, he is not going to be. He's not going to shy away from. I think at some stage, saying either get me out of here or, uh, you know, perhaps sharing a few more of of thoughts around how he really feels. All right, let's uh, let's get off Pascal. Got to keep it moving here. Scotty next on my hit list. So found his question answer period. Also very, very intriguing. Now I'm going to leave with this, Aaron, and I'm, I think I'm right. I watched the whole thing. I don't think he mentioned Fred's name once. I don't think he mentioned Fred's name, but he talked a lot about last year's leadership, communication. Uh, he talked a lot about last year not being fun. He talked a lot about last year, the people around. Like It was clearly uh, directly pointed at, I think, Nick Nurse and Fred, more Fred than Nurse, but he – Clearly, where there was smoke, uh, um, there was some fire around the whole relationship around Scotty and uh, Fred last year. So, uh, two, one, uh, give me your thoughts on that, and 
did you sense last year that it was as bad as sort of he made it out to be yesterday? Yeah, so he didn't mention Fred's name. I mentioned Fred's name uh, in, in my first question to him. And then the second question was, we'd heard that the older guys and the younger guys didn't get along. I'm sure he knew uh, that we were referring to a report from Michael Grange that sort of talked about Fred Van Vliet. And he talked about how this year's vets are more positive and more high energy than last year's vets. Well, which vets are gone? Uh, I don't think he was talking about <laughs> Kem Birch, and I don't think he was talking about Will Barton. Uh, there's only one vet who uh, is gone from last year's team. As as we talked about the changes uh, this offseason, weren't that many. So now, was Fred negative all season, or was Fred negative because the season was kind of negative? Again, it would be weird if if these guys were so positive. Sometimes it's like, which comes first, positivity or winning? And I think if the Raptors were winning, uh, everyone would be lovey-dovey and super happy and excited. And I think the fact that the Raptors started the season not so great, uh, that's the reason things spiraled. So I'm curious to see if the positivity that is surrounding this team continues. Hopefully it does. Uh, but if if things don't go so great, I'm not sure if necessarily Fred was the negative energy or if the negative energy was coming from the losses. Well, and, and Kitch, I'll throw this at you, but there were definitely some times last year in the media where I thought Fred, I don't want to say called out Scotty, but made reference to the fact that Scotty had to do more or implying that he wasn't making that sort of jump or uh maybe wasn't his commitment to, to his work ethic wasn't what they expected. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, I think there was some friction there, but I, I don't know if that makes Freddie a bad teammate. Do you catch? I, I, I never thought Freddie has been a leader. And I know I argue with you guys in this world. A lot of guys said they, they thought Freddie was a leader. I always thought he was a silent, a silent sort of, I'll play my own game. I'll, I'll earn my stripes, but he's not a he's not a guy that's pumping other guys up. I never I never saw it at the games. I always thought he was he's very passive. And then he started getting getting with calling a little people out in media days, or or sort of calling the rest of the team out. I I found it I found it a little douchey the the way he was handling oh. handling handling it down down that down the stretch. So I'm I'm for Scotty this year. I think I think if that was a bit of a ruffle for Scotty, which it, which it seems like it, it was. And Scotty's put on some pounds. He's worked in the off season. He's and you've seen it in in some of the highlight uh, highlight reels that came out. I I'm looking for any like the sophomore slump I think he hit last year, which is which is there's a big trend of that in the NBA. So I'm looking for his third year. I think we're going to get big things out of Scotty this year. Uh, you know what, Colin Freddie Douchey. That's that's I, I know I know you that's love him. I know he's your all yeah. guy. I know well, he signed your jersey. I know. I, yeah, that's <laughs> bullshit, Freddie. Yeah, we don't agree. And it's revisionist history now on your part. So that's, yeah, that's ridiculous. Um, <laughs> so, but Aaron, like around that, like, does this really free Scotty up? I mean, they're talking about this offense. Let's, we'll move it. We'll, we'll, I'll move into the offense here a little bit. They're talking about him being much uh, more of a focal point of this offense with Fred gone. I mean, I, I guess like, does this, is this really going to free him up? Are we really going to see uh, the next level of Scotty Barnes now? In this year, in your opinion, we're cer certainly going to see more usage from him, and he'll have more opportunities. Is that a good thing or a bad thing? We're going to find out. Uh, often, last season, uh, the reason Fred took so many shots—you know—some people want to say it's because Fred loved taking shots, but I think, and Jakob Pertl said this, is because the shot clock was winding down. Nobody had created advantage, and it was like, all right, somebody shoot the ball and the ball found its way into Fred's hands and he was forced to create something from nothing. And he wasn't particularly efficient because he's not 
that guy. He's not that tier one guy. So uh, Scotty's going to find himself in that position more often, almost by default. Is he going to be hyper-efficient? Is he going to take a step forward? You have to hope so. Uh, that would mean a step forward from him this season. But it's not something that you're, you think that for sure he's just going to take, you know, step into that role and, and flourish. I think that's what the Raptors are hoping for this season. I'm not saying it's not going to happen, but uh, he will see higher usage. He will probably see his points per game go up. But just because he's scoring uh, 17, 18, 19, 20 points per game, the number to keep an eye on is that efficiency. He needs to make sure he's doing it efficiently. And um, because just because you're you know you're scoring more points, if if you're losing games and you're not doing it efficiently, that that doesn't really help anyone. But but he should see the ball in his hands more often this season for sure. Well, listen, Kitch, if you and I go back to his rookie season, we had many a conversation, usually at the game. There was a there was a point in that season where there was a high post offense that ran through Scotty, and it seemed relatively efficient. It seemed like he made really good decisions at the top of the key. I am all for, speaking of the positive, I am all for that ball running through Scotty as much as possible. I think he is a great decision maker. I think he likes, I think he's a pass first kind of guy. So I'm, I, I think that could be great for him. Now, if he hasn't developed a 15 footer knockdown, then it won't matter. I mean, you ha- he has to be able to shoot it. And, and if he doesn't get better at the three, from the three point line, then he's got to stop shooting it. But Kitsch, do you not like, do you remember those times where we talked about that? Oh, like, yeah, I'm for all sure. for it. I'm all for it. If, if he can run the offense. For sure. If we can put the ball through him, we did it with like the old Gasol model. When, when we won with Gasol, we put him, we put him at top key and let him make the pass, let him distribute the offense. And if this, if Darko's all about more ball movement, then that fits well. If we get the ball movement more, we don't get the isolation and we throw it to Sky at the top and he's got four outlets to throw to. Uh, and, and you know what? From a fan perspective, that's way more entertaining basketball to watch too. Might be sloppy at times, but, uh, but I'm, I'm all for that for sure. Yeah, I hear and, you. and I'll say uh, that, that the Marcus Gasol comparison makes a ton of sense because when I think Scotty's been the best and when he was the best last season, he was playing that sort of quasi big man role. The one Gasol played where he was the, the point center or the one you see Jokic play or Draymond Green, where you used your skills as a great passer, but as a big man. I think it'll be interesting to see if he can actually play something closer to a point guard position. Uh, it sounds like he's been working on his left hand, but the tightness of his dribble in the half court, I think is something that has troubled him in the past. Is he going to be able to get downhill or is he going to turn around, put his butt to the defense, shield away the defender, dribble, and then turn around and take that, you know, fadeaway floater that just isn't a high efficient shot. So his ability to play the point guard, I think comes down to his ability to dribble with both hands and really attack the defense. Sounds like he's gotten better on that front, but uh, we're going to have to wait and see again. Do we, did we just jump? Did we just jump to OG? Or are we still on Scotty? <laughs> okay. Sure. Speaking of handles, speaking of no handles. Uh, well, listen, Aaron, I'm gonna I'm gonna caution you to be uh, agreeing and complimenting with Kitch like that. But the whole Gasol thing—that's a dangerous. That's a dangerous road your head down there. Uh, all right, listen. Let's move on because we gotta we gotta go here. Uh, Darko. So quickly, this is just gonna be your thoughts, your initial thoughts on Darko. Start with you, Aaron. Anytime a team hires a coach, it seems like it's the direct opposite of the guy they just fired, especially when things don't go well. So uh, Darko said everything Nick Nurse didn't say. Uh, We want to have a deep bench, five guys, four guys, long rotations, not iso ball. You know, we're going to play 0.5 offense, all these things. Truth is, we're going to have to wait and see again. Uh, This is a guy who's been a first-time head coach. He's saying all the right things. It'll be interesting to see if he can get the buy-in again from all those guys who are heading into contract years. Uh, Is Pascal ready to play a 
kind of a completely different style of offense. Darko, and I asked him about this, Darko thinks that he'll get the buy-in, but really it's going to come down to the buy-in from the guys who are willing to adapt their offense to what this new coach says he wants to do. Do we do we know uh, from the assistant coaches? Are they bringing new ones in? Are they bringing a lot of the guys back from last year? Do, do we know? I don't think any nope. from last year are they. Nobody back. I like that. I like that. I think the I think a lot of the a lot of the assistant guys got stuck in the. Well, they were there with Casey, and they they got they were there with Nurse, and they kind of got stuck in that old school way of basketball. So I'm 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 all for a completely overhaul and a completely fresh start. Um, I was surprised Darko came in. I not knowing much about him, and there were a lot of big candidates out there. But uh, obviously, Masai saw something there, and maybe he liked the fact that he said, "I want, I'm going to do something exactly the opposite you're doing," which, which probably sold Masai. And uh, so, uh, so uh, yeah, you're right. Time will tell on that. Well, listen, uh, as you know, Kitch, Aaron, you may don't know this, but one of my Raptors jerseys, not the one I'm wearing today, uh, it's got uh, on the back. It had um, Casey's name on it. It's now been crossed out. It had Nurse's name on the back of it. It's now been crossed out. Uh, so dark roads will be going on, but my my initial thought is I'm just going to put those letters on with tape. I may not iron those. I may not hard press them on. Uh, he did not like. Uh, listen, he said all the right things yesterday, but I'm telling just from my perspective. Like again, you can and you, Aaron, you're in the room. It's different, but just there wasn't a ton of uh, inspiration. I didn't I didn't get from it was. It's he seemed like a very young first, like sort of wet behind the ears kind of guy. But I could be completely wrong, so I have no idea. I will reserve judgment on it. But it wasn't like he was a an uber presence in the room where you thought, okay, this guy's, this guy's going to be here for a while. Like I'm just saying, but that's just pure conjecture. I have no idea. I just was, I wasn't blown away by him. I guess I'll say that. He, he he seems a little green and he seems very player for it first, which is the opposite of Nick Nurse. But that works. This team is a lot of young guys and maybe he gets along with the young guys. Gary Trent Jr. spoke very highly of him. seems like he's connecting with the players better than Nick Nurse did. And, and if he does, and if he gets buy-in, uh, that should bode well for the Raptors' future. Positivity. There you go. And yeah, uh, and and apparently uh, Schroeder loves him, and he loves Schroeder. So maybe Schroeder can be the guy that can help can help motivate some of these younger guys because he'll buy into the coach and he can sell the coach to the players. So so the the uh, the FIBA FIBA MVP might be outstanding in leading us on. Uh, well, listen, we, Schroeder wasn't there yesterday, um, and we can we weren't scheduled to really touch on him just yet, but we can quickly. I mean, I'm at, listen for twelve million bucks. Whether he had a great fever or not, for twelve million bucks, the drop off, if there is one from Fred, I don't think will be twenty eight million dollars worth. Right? I mean, Fred got forty. It's just not. I mean, it's not going to be that far. Uh, so I think for what we're trying to do, or what we are maybe trying to do, uh, he's a totally suitable replacement. Right? He's a totally total suitable replacement. Um, is he the long term answer at point guard? Probably not. But I think I think I think we're gonna I think we're gonna enjoy watching Dennis play. Yeah, and I think so too. He should be a really good point of attack defender. And while Fred was a really good help defender, he wasn't such a great point of attack defender. He's probably not as quick as Dennis. Um, The problem is Dennis isn't a great shooter. And I know Fred had a rough shooting season last year, but I think the league still saw Fred as a really good pull-up shooter and someone who could pull up out of the pick and roll. Dennis doesn't really do this. And on a do that on a team that's starved for three-point shooting, Dennis isn't going to come in and help the shooting. But uh, again, uh, we saw at the FIBA games, he can attack the paint and he's a good point of attack defender and he's a smart basketball player. So that's certainly going to help the Raptors. Plus, he has this relationship with Darko. And plus, he can throw the ball to Grady Dick, who's going to be an outstanding three-point shooter. He's going to knock down everything and we're going to be on fire with that combination this year. Well, listen, more importantly, how about this? If he can finish at the rim, let's call it three out of 10 times, 
That'd be two and a half more times than Fred ever did. So <laughs> that'd be rhythm. fine. Yeah. Yeah. I'll yeah. take that. I'll take that. That's fine. That's good. And I love Fred. That's, that's a guy who loves Fred saying that. Hello. Um, Hello. Yeah. All right. Listen, uh, we're going to move. Predictions. Uh, I'm going to throw a few things out at you guys. You can both tell me what you think. Um, but here we go. All right. Prediction time. OG Gary Pascal. Will they all still be on the roster at the end of the season? Go ahead. Catch. Oh, me. Oh, you want, all right. You, you uh, so, so I, uh, no. I, I would say 90% no. 90% no. I, I really think, and I, I don't think the team, I honestly don't think the team can afford to have all three of them on the roster in the, the season. So I, I think we have to do something throughout the season with, with at least one of those names for sure. Okay. Can, right. I, can I hedge and say that it'll be some combination? Some of those guys will not be on the team and some of them will. Well, I think oh, you can. They, they keep. You can, but you have to tell me who you don't think is there. <laughs> yeah, I think you know this. This is tough, but I, I'd say Gary might not be around. I, I've been predicting Gary's not long for this team since the trade deadline and since the off season. So every time I say Gary's gone, he sticks around. So what do I know? But uh, I'd say maybe Gary and uh, Pascal. I could see moving. Uh, I think OG. This team is going to work really hard to keep him around. Oh, obviously, they love OG. They didn't want to trade him for Lillard. They haven't wanted to trade him for the longest time, and he fits really well. It's just going to be expensive and expensive piece to keep around. Well, Aaron, did you did you hear or read? Uh, I saw it on Twitter today. I can't remember. It was it was legit. It was a legit reporter who um, who said OG has made it clear he will be entering free agency this year. He's not interested in signing. He will enter free agency. Hmm. Yeah, that, that, the NBA basically is forcing him into free agency. So uh, he's not going to take the max offer Toronto can offer him in the regular season. Uh, it's less than he's worth. It's some CBA minutia that we don't have to get into. But yeah, he will be heading into free agency. And that's why it gets complicated for the Raptors. Well, totally, because it's Fred all over again, right? I mean, unless you have, unless we have some sort of certainty that he's going to resign with us, I mean, it's hard to keep him, right? Because if he if he walks for nothing, when in theory there was he was on the table for Dame, he was on the table as part of a, a Kevin Durant package, like, and then if we get nothing for him, that'll be that'll be a tough pill to swallow. But you know what? That's it. That's a future topic. I look forward to that topic at some stage uh, during the season. So we'll we'll see. All right, next prediction. Will Scotty Barnes be in the all-star conversation this year? Oh, I sure hope so. <laughs> uh, I would say, I like, I, I, I've always, I've always betting. I say probably not, but man, if he, if he was, I'd be happy as a peach. So yeah, I, I would, uh, I'm hoping, but I'm not, I wouldn't, I wouldn't bet on it. Aaron? I'll agree. Same thing. <laughs> the, the chances are probably not. Uh, it would be awesome for this organization, but but I just think uh, he, he will take a step forward. I'm just not sure that step forward is going to be the leap into all-star conversation this year. Okay, so that's interesting. I, th- I would have expected a slightly different answer from both of you. I actually think, come February, I think his numbers, if the offense is, uh, uh, is going to flow through him as we think it might, I actually think his numbers are going to look pretty good. I, I, I think he'll at least be in the conversation. Like when they're doing those, you know, who the reserve all-star is going to be. I'm not saying he's going to be one, but I think you'll have media guys outside of Toronto going, hey, is Scotty Barton like they'll be he'll they'll be on the list. They'll be on his list of guys that could potentially be an I, I, I think there will be lots of discussion around. I talk, think he's actually gonna have a big about, year. Talk about Mr. Positive. Who I'm are you? you? Who I is think, this guy? I think so. I'm gonna bet every player prop over on Scotty this year oh, uh, as a result. And I do. I think he I listen, this is his chance to shine. It's not gonna get any better for him. 
than is right now. I agree. Yeah. So let's make it happen, Scott. And listen, <laughs> if you're that guy who drafted fourth overall, who like everyone says has this great future. I mean, how many years do you need to see it? Like he better be, he better be significantly better than, than last year. And I think if he is, and he's a focal point of an offense, it's gotta be an all-star conversation. There you go. All right. I hope yeah. you're right. Yeah. I hope yeah. you're right. Why do you guys get on the positivity train with me? <laughs> Holy smokes. All aboard. All aboard. Uh, all right. Uh, next one. Because we haven't, and I'm, there's gonna be way more Grady Dick conversation uh, throughout the season, but quick question prediction. Will Grady Dick be an impact rotation player impact? Not, is he going to play minutes? Will he be an impact rotation player? Catch. <laughs> um, yeah, I think so. I think, I think, I think he fits. Like we don't, we don't have a strong shooting team, so we need a guy who can shoot. So I think they're going to, they're going to give him ample opportunity to, to get in there and, and try to knock down some shots and being positive. I'm going to say, yes, he will be an impact player. Cause he's going to make some of those shots. There you go. Bart. Positive. Okay. All right. Aaron. I hate that. I'm being put in this negative box. There are <laughs> media not. members no, who, aren't, not. who, who aren't sure he's going to be in the rotation. So I think he will be in the rotation. I, he's not the sixth man for this team. He's not the seventh man for this team. He might be the eighth man for this team, or he might be the ninth man. And to me, that's not an impact guy. I think when you think of impact, you think seventh or eight, uh, you know, sixth or seventh. He's not going to be the sixth or seventh man for this team. I, this is not a negative Grady Dick take. The take is that he's going to be a rotation player for the Raptors. I'm not sure he's going to be an impact rotation player uh, for a, a rookie guy on this team. Probably truthful. Right. Probably okay. truthful. Well, listen, let's be crystal clear about something here. If you're even worried about that being a negative take, you, I don't even know what that means. That was like, that was borderline positive, that take. What are you talking about? Yeah, that's, that's fine. That's, listen, if we can't talk like that, then this pod is not based in any kind of reality. And I don't want to be a part of it at that stage. So this could be the shortest, this could be the shortest tenure ever for this pod. Um, listen. I'm with you, Aaron. I don't think he's impact this year because I don't think he's in the top seven and getting meaningful minutes. I think he'll get spotty minutes. I think there'll be a couple games here and there where he lights it up, Kitch. Um, but consistently, I, I don't know what he is defensively yet. I watched a little bit of uh, Vegas with him. He had a couple, he had a couple nice games. My guess is he'd be hunted on defense based on his uh, on his size and his and his quickness. But yeah, I mean. But that's not saying I'm not I'm giving up on the guy. I, I mean, they everyone says he was the best shooter in that draft. So I think there's going to be a place for him on this squad. And I think obviously if we start to move assets at some stage, he'll get more and more minutes, and we'll really find out. But I think a meaningful impact player. I, I would be surprised if he was, but I hope so. Me but too. So. Me too. I'd be surprised, <laughs> but I hope so. <laughs> All right, Darko is he our coach in three years? Catch. Oh, is Darko our coach in three years? I have no clue. I like I because because the guy's got no pedigree. Like I know he's been assistant all the place, but he's never been a head coach. So I I I don't have a clue because I don't, and I don't even know what he's going to do with the team that he has. So that's a that's a ridiculous question. Well, I think it's a great question. The fact that you don't know makes it a great question. Uh, Aaron, <laughs> is he a coach in three years? So is the question: Is he going to win coach of the year in the next two years and then get fired? <laughs> I'm going to say he he sticks around oh, for longer. Oh. Than that. That's true. It does happen. That's what we do. That's what yeah. we do. Yeah. He's, he <laughs> sticks around for longer than that, especially if this team pivots younger. He seems like the, a good coach for a younger squad. And if you do think that they might trade Pascal so I can get first round picks, if Scotty likes him, if Gary seems to like him, if some of the guy, younger guys, you know, Pascal was a little bit more iffy, but some of the younger guys like him. If this team does pivot younger, I think he'll be the coach for, for more than three years. Unless oh my God, he wins the NBA coach of the year award. 
Aaron, what what a pleasant addition you are to the to the pod. Of, of course, that's the answer. I was thinking that we are going to skew. We're listen. I think we're blowing it up, and he's going to be our coach for five years. Well, three, four for sure, because I think that's going to happen. This is what they want. They want. They, I think this is the fallback plan. Because if you thought you're win now mode, is he your coach for win now mode? Probably not, right? So he's going to get. He's going to have lots of rope. I think. We're probably going to be without Pascal and and some other guy. Like, yeah, to me, I think for sure, uh, there's that. That's more to me. It's more likely than not um, that he's the, the the head coach in three years, unless unless he's a Nate, right? Unless it goes horribly wrong. Like that's what yeah. they thought with Nate in uh, Indiana. They thought oh, you know, he had some rope, and then it just unless he's one of those guys. That's that's the only way I think he's not. What if we go thirty and fifty two? They still like him. They still keep him around. Well, it depends on what circumstance. If we go 30 to 52 and Pascal and OG and Gary are gone, are going to be, yeah, 100% they keep him around. But if, if we go 30 and 52 because we thought we were going to be a playoff team and and uh, his concepts and his uh, ability to manage the squad, like, yeah, there, if there are outlying factors as to like he wasn't what we thought he was based on, um, you know, non basketball stuff too, I mean, yeah, that could all factor in. But I think, I don't think record matters at this stage for him because I don't think we're going to win now. All right. Uh, was that my last one? I think it was my last one. Uh, okay, now, another segment that we're going to have, uh, and I think it's going to end up being from Brock the entire time, but we are going to have <laughs> ask a question from our, our listener base. Uh, Brock has asked for it, and I said, well, I said, Brock, obviously we'll have to open it up to the entire, to the entire base, but because it's week one, and he was the first one in, uh, here's his question. Um, it's not a great one. He can do better, but his, his question to me was, what's the plan? What's the fucking plan? <laughs> so with that Aaron I'm going to let you I'm going to let you kick that one off do you have a sense do you have a sense for the plan I have a total sense for the plan Masai Ujiri told us the plan yesterday the plan is we're going to wait and see and then we're going to pick a plan so you might not like the plan I don't necessarily love the plan but the plan is we're going to figure it out. We're going to collect more information. And then probably sometime around the trade deadline, we're going to pick a direction. And if the team's doing well, maybe they go for it. If the team's not doing so well, they go the other direction. But you might not like the plan, but the plan is very clear. We're going to roll out these guys and see what happens. Yeah, I, I, I do agree. Like it's, there is, the, nobody, the reason that question is a great question is because it's still up in the air. Nobody knows what the real plan is. So I guess the first plan is to bring an entirely different coach in and to bring an entirely different coaching staff in um, to get rid of, well, not to get rid of, to lose a player that is maybe was it, maybe was a detriment in the locker room. I don't know, but, uh, but I, I think, I think the jury's out on what's the plan is going to be because we don't know how this team's going to gel in the first couple months of the season. And I think we're going to get some answers. And I think, I think in, 30, 60 days time, you ask that exact same question. We'll have a pretty good idea of the plan at that point. But right now, you have to hope so. All right. All yeah. right. Listen, listen, with all due respect to the both of you, um, it, it's probably a good thing that I'm not sitting on the board uh, at Maple Leaf Sports and Entertainment because if that's the, if someone walks into my board room and says, and I say, what's the plan? And the plan is, I don't really know. We're going to wait and see what happens. My next call is probably to bring HR into that room. We're probably just going to bring HR and get it done quickly. Right. Uh, because that, that, so to me, like, I, I'm not saying I disagree with your takes on it because I think you're right. I, but what you guys just said is there is no plan. So, it, so that's so, how I read it. So that's I'll go back to so that HR, should they be talking to uh, the, the almighty? Cause that was his answer. Masai. 
Well, that's what I'm saying. If Masai walks into my boardroom, I'm bringing HR. Well, I, th- I thought it was us. Yeah. I thought it was us I, who was avoiding Well, no, you guys boardroom. too, for sure. Okay. Yeah, both, okay. Well, Aaron, I, you know what? Aaron's still on probation. I'd probably give him a little bit longer, but you would definitely. You've already had your warnings. Yeah, you'd probably be done. <laughs> um, all right. Well, listen, I, yeah. I, I, listen, Brock, good question, I guess. But to me, there's no plan, which is, is uh, fearful because I'm telling you, no plan to me means we are bringing in a lot of bad situations into play. Like it's not, an, it's not out of the realm of possibility we could lose those assets for absolutely nothing right it's not out of the realm could happen yep it does not seem like a great plan i think but I there think is a plan <laughs> yeah right. there's a plan all right listen we gotta move on for a couple reasons uh one because we're gonna go way over time two i'm gonna run out of battery life um so quickly we're gonna pivot out i think we've covered the wraps for media day i think we've got it um quick thoughts on the nba going into the season uh, I put a couple of talking points, Eastern Conference, two-team uh, race. You can tell me whether or not you think that. And the Western Conference, I can't get over it. Like, we're going to do an over-unders pod here, uh, a la Bill Simmons, in a couple of weeks. But the West looks impossible. to Like, every game. There, I don't know if there's an easy game in the West at any point in the season. So, uh, on that, let's start. Give me your feedback on the East being a Boston-Milwaukee-only race, and then your thoughts on the West. Go ahead, Aaron. I think it's going to be a ton of fun to see uh, Damian Lillard and Drew Holiday go at it in the playoffs. That's what I'm hoping for, a defense versus offense kind of showdown. And I'm really excited for Adrian Griffin. I'm a Daryl Morey fan, and I don't know what the James Harden future holds, but they might have something. So I'm not willing to call it a two-horse race yet. It certainly seems like that, but... The 76ers aren't dead yet, and, and Nick Nurse oh. isn't a great coach for a young team, but he might be a pretty good playoff coach. So um, there could be a third horse in that race. And Miami. Wow, that's way too positive. I, I, I we'll stick. I'll stick with the East then too. So I, I, I do feel that can't count. Like, like Embiid was a league MVP last year. Maxie's only going to get better. You can't count Philly out. So, but, but. You take you take the top two teams in there with the with the obviously look better on paper for sure and uh, and should battle for the top spot and because it's a Raptors pod I'm going to take this back. Why not blow it up this year? Why not? Why not? Like we are we are not. You're never going to get the parts to compete with those types of teams. I don't feel so. Let's blow it up. So for for four years from now, when when those guys are older and they're not getting along, and uh, and then we get a good team with with hopefully a, a better chance and not as many powerhouses in the East in a, on a, on a few teams. So that's kind of my, my take on it. Well, listen, I'm only going to speak to the Philly comment. I bet them hard yesterday under 50 and a half wins. Like I'm on it big hardens the cancer. They're not going to be able to trade him for anything. They're going to keep, he may not even play. They're going to send him home and bead's going to be unhappy. He's not known to be the happiest guy in the world to begin with. He's going to be unhappy. And I don't think Maxi alone is going to take that team to 51 wins. I'm telling you, that's the lock of the NBA season. Them not winning 51 games. That is the lock of the season. So I'm just saying, all right. Uh, but to the West, you guys agree with me on the West that like, it seems impossible. I don't know how anyone's going to win 41 games in the West. Like every night is a dog fight. Aaron, the the only team that might be and, and honestly they they did pretty well in the in the Damian Lillard trade but Portland probably isn't going to have a great year uh, but you look at Houston as a team that just brought in all these guys added Fred Van Vliet on a max contract are they even going to make the playoffs so you're bang on when you say that the Western Conference is just going to be loaded this year it's you know the Eastern Conference is pretty good so it's not like it was a few years ago when it was just like who does the no, Eastern Conference have bad, other no. than LeBron 
No, but the Western Conference looks like those Western Conferences uh, of a few years ago, uh, loaded with talent this year for sure. Yeah, it's tough. You look at the bottom teams, like even San Antonio, like they're going to be awesome to watch this year with with the with Web, Web and Yama on there. So yeah, there there is not many weak teams in the West, and uh, and there's not. I don't. It doesn't feel like there's the 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 heavy loaded teams. Like the you don't have the you don't have the guys that they picked up three superstars and they're going to dominate the West. So like you got a whole bunch of teams with one or two good players on them. Yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be fun basketball to watch. I think. Yeah, listen. I agree. All right. All right. Listen, we, we got to move here. Uh, we are now going to go into our favorite segment, Kitch, which I'm sure you've got a bunch uh, kept up. So we're going to start with you on what drives you crazy. Okay. I'll tell you what drives me crazy. So I'm in a, I'm in, you guys are familiar with survival. I've been in a survival pool with, with, with a number of different people. So I got, I, I kind of go in this pool with three different groups of people and, it's and I have, I go with certain individuals and I go, I got, I'm in with one individual who you guys might know. <laughs> And uh, and this week he comes back to me. I said, "What's your pick this week?" This is only the fifth week of the season. He goes, "Let's pick Cleveland." I'm like, "The Cleveland Browns?" He goes, "Yeah, yeah. Trust me on this one." I'm like, "Trust you this one." I go, "You know the quarterbacks out." And and that that individual comes back to me and says, "Doesn't matter. You could be quarterback. Lock it up. This is a guarantee." So I finally was able to talk him off of the ledge. And and I just want to remind him that Cleveland lost twenty seven to three in that game. What a, what a trust me, this is a lock. That was a debacle pick. Listen, I had a bad <laughs> intel. I was told totally with the eighty five Bears defense. All right, I had bad intel. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you want to, okay, don't don't listen to Simmons and get, don't get your tips from Simmons because he's not he's not a performing guy. And I was in love. And, I was in love with them. You were in love with them. So uh, let's stick with the seven or eight point spreads for a little bit until we can have the seven or eight point spreads. Maybe maybe that's a better strategy than the survivals. Well, so, we'll think about it. Yeah, all right. All we right. survived. We're moving on. We have two more picks this week. We're good. Well, I, d- I didn't say any names. I didn't want to call you out there. So, <laughs> Aaron, what do you got for us? The Toronto Blue Jays. They oh. drove oh. me <laughs> mad all yeah. season. I yeah. went on social media and said, "This team stinks. This city can't produce winners." Da da da. They're never going to make the playoffs. Well, here they are in a playoff spot. Maybe they can do something magical. Why do I love this team? Why do I still believe in them? I ruled them dead. But here we are. They drive me crazy. I'll yeah, tell you Aaron, what, Aaron, that's a little negative. That's a little negative, Aaron. But yeah, but you know what? That's a good one. And Kitch and I can remember we both had the win total oh, 91 God, and a half yeah. over. Oh, Speaking of roller frustrating. Roller oh, coaster. Well, listen, the four game, the four game uh, sweep at home when the Rangers took him out like that. Like, come on. That was unacceptable. Yeah. It drove me you crazy. Know <laughs> I know, but yeah. here's the problem. I'm going to watch them today. Thinking they've got a chance to win the World Series. That's what's going to drive me crazy. Is what they get swept. They lose the first two in Minnesota because they can't hit. Like it's unbelievable. I know. I, listen, I agree with you. Um, all right, I'm going to go back in time here a little bit for mine, but it's not even a great one. But it's like I have so many that I wrote down. But you know, in your in your uh, mode of trying to uh, keep it sports related, FIBA, I really enjoyed watching it, even though it was on uh, at like or crazy hours. But why do all these teams have to have coaches that aren't from their country? The German coach is Canadian. I know. I was going to say, what's his name? Herbert. Gordy Herbert. Canadian dude. And meanwhile, we get some Spanish dude coaching Canada. Why can't Gordy <laughs> coach us? That makes no sense. Like, there should be a rule. Your coach has to be from the country as well. I don't understand why that's allowed. It makes no sense. I agree. Yeah, I, I agree. Right. Yeah, I, I, it, it makes, it like, makes sense. I do like that. But I think there were it wouldn't, five. wouldn't get to the point of driving me crazy, but I, that doesn't no, make sense. No, it drove me crazy. Because everyone's just like, this doesn't make any sense. It does, you know, nonsensical <laughs> stuff drives me crazy, as we know. I know. I know. I'm well aware uh, of that. 
All right, listen, we're coming to an hour, which is a little bit longer than I like, but uh, it's good for the uh, slacker workout. Uh, so we're going to we're going to wrap it up, Aaron, uh, with uh, a great first pod. Love having you here. But uh, any other business, AOB, I had to explain AOB to Aaron yesterday, which that's fine. AOB, no one knows that acronym anymore. <laughs> uh, but that's the, the AOB at the end. So I'm going to lead this off. Aaron, this is to you. I meant to bring it up earlier, but we're going to bring it to AOB. Webster, our GM, alluded to the fact that they made the best offer they've ever made in the Dame uh, trade talks. Do you have any insight as to what that trade offer was? It sounds like OG and Anobi was not involved. And if OG was not involved and Pascal was not involved and Scotty was not involved, the only guy left is Gary Trent Jr. and probably Chris Boucher and maybe Thad Young and maybe Grady Dick and some future first round picks. Uh, if that's the best offer they've ever made, I guess they didn't think uh, uh, DeMar DeRozan was very good because... I think DeMar DeRozan uh, in that deal was probably more valuable than than uh, Gary Trent Jr. and some salary filler and some first round picks. But uh, this, it sounds like why OG we was not involved. That's all that's left. <laughs> this is why we can't we can't close a trade. This is why we can't close well, a trade. I get like the only when he made that comment, I was sitting there going, "Well, he must be thinking, well, because we offered so many first round picks, we've never done that before, so that's our best offer ever." Like it could have been from a pure player standpoint if none of those guys were involved. So yeah, I thought again, like it's just a, it's just. This is what I don't like about this front office. They're always doing things to sort of make it look like it's better than it is or that they're on top. Like, I don't know. That just seemed to me like a ludicrous statement if everyone knows that none of those three guys were involved in it. So anyway, all right. There we go. That's my AOB. Kitch, what do you got? Uh, I got – so we bring it up every year. NFL betting is evil. NFL betting is an evil proposition. <laughs> the the bad beats this year have been outstanding in some of the games. Like the, like the Kansas City – Falls down on the one yard line. Smart play, but just does, doesn't cover. Or Killer. the uh, or the uh, Rams coach. What's his name again? The uh, the field goes for the field okay. goal. With no time. Okay. No, no yeah. time left on the clock to take the field goal to cover the spread. Like just an evil, evil sport to bet on. That's for sure. That's my ob. Yeah, true. <laughs> uh, Aaron, anything to add? And you don't have to. Yeah. I'll just say we saw that OG and Anobi might be funny. It sounds like he pulled a prank on Damian Lillard. Texted I him. Saw that. Welcome to that Toronto. Like, yeah. So I guess my question for you guys is. Is OG Ananobi funny? <laughs> Listen, he's, he's quirky. A he's, he's a loof, and a loof can a be loof. funny. Yeah. Right? A loof can yeah. be funny. But the best part about that is, so if everyone doesn't know, uh, OG sent Dame a text or a phone call or whatever saying, hey, welcome to Toronto. And Dame was on a, uh, was, a was doing an interview, uh, I think, with, with Haynes. And yeah. he's like, I got to go. He got, off the, he got off the interview quickly. I got to go to find out what was going on. Well, OG was pranking him to be like, yeah, and so he was like, "Oh, okay." But the best part is, like, Dame should have come back and said, "Well, if you're welcoming to Toronto, and I got traded there, I, well, I guess I should welcome you to Portland because you're obviously coming back in that trade." Is that's the only <laughs> way that would work? Yeah, apparently not. Apparently not. So there you go. <laughs> yeah, you know, listen, I like OG as a, as a personality. I do. I think his aloofness, I'm okay with it. I do like OG. All right, boys, listen. Uh, well done. Week one in the we'll be back next week. Kitch, you and I may have a second pod uh, to do some gambling stuff at some stage. Uh, we'll figure that out. But uh, yeah, listen. I'm gone. I'm gone for two weeks. I'm in New Zealand, oh, Australia. Right. Next, next right, two weeks. Right, yeah, you, right. guys, you guys are running the show. That's bullshit. Greg on Deno. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I'll be back. I'll be back for the opener. The ghost. Back home, the home opener. All right. Well, on, on that note, uh, Kawhi. Take it away. Take it away. Kawhi up top. Looks at the clock. Turns the corner for the win. <laughs> Hell 